Amen. Well, thank you. I want to get another look at everybody. Store that in my mind. It's my last week here for maybe a, maybe a little while. Maybe I'll be able to come back and visit with you all again. But it truly is an honor to be here with you today. New life. And uh, it's the summer months, so we know what happens in the summer, right? Everybody kind of gets some weeks off. And obviously, as has been said, that's what you're so what's going on with your pastor and their family, and, and uh, I think that they probably, if they haven't, they'll start their trek back, and so obviously we pray for them, and we will here in a moment. But I wanted to just do something with, I just sensed this as, as we were worshiping. I just felt like sometimes it's just good to pause for another moment more, and I know that uh, I have the, oper- I, I usually will go a little longer, so I, I know that I'm kind of cutting into my time here, but I just feel like this morning, uh, I just feel like it would be good for us just to pause for a moment more. I feel like the Lord just wants to, to, just, uh, to just show himself to us again, just even if it's just for a few seconds, just uh, that he would come. I love that song that we sang. It says, your name is, is above it all. His name is above it all. And the reason we're here isn't for a, isn't for a person. It isn't for a, a pastoral staff. It isn't for a guest speaker. It's not, it's, not even really, uh, it's not even really here because it's the thing that we're supposed to do. We're here because of Jesus. I mean, am I right? We're here because of the Lord of all over our lives. And so here's what I want you to do. Just humor me, and, and maybe you've already taken this time. Maybe you're in that habit. But I want you to, I, I, I've always liked doing this when I pastored. Uh, just put your hands over your, where, what represent your heart and, your, and your, your, inner, your inner person, your soul this morning. And I want us just to contemplate for just a few moments how good he is. How much that name is far above everything. We've been in this series these last few weeks of what if, and it's, it's talking about faith. It's talking about the things that God has for our lives and and the possibilities, oftentimes, just as we're in this moment, just, just listen. Often in, this time, in these times, we, we're thinking of a God that, that's giving us regulations and, and ways to live and things to do. And, and those things aren't necessarily false. But what if just for a moment, what if just as we, as we, as we lean into what he has for us, what if we saw him as the God of possibilities? When we say what if... Maybe God's getting us to that place of faith where we would say, God, what is possible with you? Lord, I pray over every heart this morning. God, beyond words of a sermon or songs that we've sung today, I I pray that the reality of the fact that your name is above every other name. You are the name by which we are saved. You are the name by which we move and live and have our being. Come on, Lord, even now, Holy Spirit, quicken us to you, Lord. Draw us closer to you today. That's our heart's desire and our heart's intent. We love you, Jesus. I pray for those that are going through just circumstances and things that are just just weighing on on their hearts today. God, I pray that you would bring them lift. God, that you would help them and encourage them in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. And all God's people say with me, amen, amen, amen. Again, it really, truly is an honor. I want to just take a moment. Uh, I've got a contingency. Those of you that weren't here last week, I'm not going to go into the whole spiel about my family, but we travel in packs. 
I've got five daughters, and uh, all of them are here today. I've got some grandchildren that are here today as well. I am going to do this today, though, because they will infinitely love me. Everybody that came from my family today, I want you to stand up. They're all on this side. Do you all feel it? you all feel me looking at them? I want you to, I want you to welcome them today. My mother-in-law, Nancy, is here with uh, my wife this morning as well. Uh, now, you all have to stand during the entirety of the service. No, I'm just kidding. You don't got to do that. You all can sit back down. Uh, I love my family. I pray that you have a, a family, and you might say, well, man, my family's gone through it. Listen, start now. Do now what maybe you should have done long ago, but start now building a family, a legacy of what God has for you. Well, I want to start this morning with just a few fun little, fun little tidbits uh, before I get into my message on what if. And so we want to talk about Pastor Devin and Jenny a little bit. I want to share some words, and we'll pray for them just before I jump into the Scripture. So let's look at the, the first uh, the first picture that I have of them today. <clears throat> Pastor Devin, uh, you pastored for me for a season. He actually served two stints in ministry at, at the church that I pastored in Winchester. And uh, look at Jenny right there. Oh my goodness. Uh, Pastor Devin loves, loved giving, loved speed of light. And so he issued a challenge to the youth ministry that if they could raise a certain amount, I don't remember what it was, my, my kids might remember it, I think they were, a couple of them were in youth at the time, and said, if you guys raise this amount, I'll shave my head at the end of the youth service. <laughs> Exhibit A and B, right there, right? <laughs> Look at Jenny's face, like, it's like, oh, this is on, this is so on. So I would just suggest maybe if you guys are leaning towards some big building project or retiring debt... <laughs> I don't think he would do that anymore, but how awesome. Ah, I just love that. That was so, so good. Jenny's ornery smile there. And then uh, I want to share this. This is a little bit, hopefully, a little bit nicer. Uh, that picture on the left, cutting Devin's head off there. I, I, unfortunately, I did not send that picture in its fullness, uh, but that's one of our staff pictures from years ago. Uh, it might have been their first. If it wasn't their first, it was their first or second uh, picture that they took with the staff with us. There you can see their wedding picture back in October, I believe. I believe it was 2007, October was their wedding. And then there on the right um, is Devin, Jenny, Aiden, and Joel. Look at that. That is, that is amazing to see them. It warms my heart. And I don't know if Jenny's ever had a chance to tell you, and I certainly won't tell it, but those two young boys and young men and now gray, those children are a miracle. They're a miracle. God worked a miracle both before the pregnancy, during the pregnancy of the twins, uh, and, and their delivery, all of that. Those kiddos are miracles. Jenny is a miracle of God. And uh, man, it's just such a blessing to, to have watched them grow through the years and all that. The last one is just some, is just some fun ones. There on the left, Devin and I in Mexico, um, where we did a missions trip back in 1999. And then we had a ugly sweater Christmas party uh, that Devin and I obviously won that evening. And then we, we celebrated 20 years at our church back in 2021. Devin came and preached for us that week. And then just was just last month, this one on the right at District Council, where we always uh, get together and we sit and well, 
sit through business meetings and services and go out to eat and have all that fun stuff, but uh, just some wonderful times. I wanted to just share a few thoughts about Devin and Jenny before we pray for them. Uh, it's, it's, inc- it's, it's very special to have lifelong f- bonds and friendships, and, 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 and really I would consider Pastor Devin and Jenny, they're not blood family, but really they are family to us. Um, they've, they've, Jenny's watched almost all of, our, all of our girls at one point or another. Uh, before they got married and different things, but let me just share some thoughts about them, and you already know some of these things, but I want to just affirm these over their life today. Devin is somebody that is a visionary. He is a visionary. If you spend any amount of time with him, you'll know that he talks, he lives, he breathes vision. He has vision, certainly for this church and for this community. He cares and loves people. I'm certain that you've experienced that. Devin, what I've noticed is, and he far surpasses anything that I've ever been able to do, is that he is a great leader, and he wants to lead you all well. But the thing that overwhelms me the most, well, I'll say this, he has a lot of generational momentum behind him from his family. His uh, mom and dad love him on up through the, through, the, through the bloodline. But the thing that overwhelms me the most is his hunger and desire for the Lord. I affirm that over his life, and, and we're so thankful that he is here leading this church with, uh, first and foremost, his hunger and desire for the Lord. And then Jenny... Uh, she is a passionate, passionate person for her family. Um, she is a fierce lover of her family, just in, in home educating and doing the things that they do. God has, has and is using her to raise just some godly men. Uh, the thing about Jenny sometimes, Jenny is similar to my wife. I don't know how much she gets up and talks. My wife was not one that, that necessarily liked to do that a lot. But Jenny is somebody that is uniquely called as well. It's not just Devin's calling, it's Jenny's calling as well. And she, too, is hungry for all the Lord has. And she is this, what I've witnessed over these years of watching their marriage and their ministry. She is an amazing helpmate for Devin. She comes alongside him, aside of him. She prays for him. Uh, uh, they have discussions at times, as all of us do, right? And she is somebody that is so amazing to him. And above it all, this is, my, this, this is a pretty big favorite for me, is she is funny. She is hilarious but she has a heart for women she's an old soul she loves uh doing that and, and so just in, just continue to engage them in the way that you are and even more in the days to come you all are incredibly blessed continue to show yourself faithful and i just want to say a quick prayer over them lord we just thank you for pastor Devin and jenny galloway the fact that they are uh lord that they are so uniquely called and gifted to lead this fellowship to love Kokomo well, God, just to see what you're doing, Lord, I just sense, I I use that word momentum, and Lord, I don't use it as a cliche, it's really true, Lord, there are truly lives being changed. In this room, because of Pastor Devin and Jenny's influence, there's already been great shift and change over their lives, and so, Lord, we honor them today, give them a blessing in these remaining day or days, I'm not sure their timing, but God, bless them as they travel, and Lord, we're just asking for next week for you to just just visit in a special way this fellowship as Pastor Devin comes back to bring the word. May they sense and know the love that this house has for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Don't miss next week, Father's Day. Devin's gonna preach a sermon called Stacking Wood. So I'm, gonna, I'm interested to see what's gonna happen with that. What if? We've been talking, talked last week, we're talking today about the phrase, what if? Everybody say, what if? What if, what if is, is something that you'll, that you'll hear 
whenever you're trying to make a decision on something, you have to weigh options, you have to look at situations, you have to kind of deduce what what, what will be best in situations. And and what if is that thing, as we shared last week, that, that can either be from a pessimistic standpoint, it can be the death nail on our hopes and dreams, or it can become the life breathing phrase that leads us into the next seasons of our lives. But all of us at all times and probably even daily face that phrase or that thought of what if. Imagine with me if you would tomorrow. I don't know what you have planned for your day, but what if I decided to just shut all my alarms off and sleep all day? I've done that a few times. Not when I had responsibilities, but what if I decided tomorrow to start eating better? I've asked myself that a lot. Why haven't I gotten there yet, Lord, right? What ifs come into all facets of our lives, but there's no greater place than to think about it in our life of faith and who God has us to be and who he wants us to be. Just sharing quickly and briefly some of the things that we shared last week. Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and it's the assurance about what we do not see. There's a confidence in hope. Isn't it amazing what happens when you talk with people that are hope givers? You know, we talk with people that are either hope givers or they're hope stealers. Are you a hope giver? Having that faith, having that what if, what if, the confidence of what we hope for, and the assurance of the things we cannot see yet. I want to assure you something. God has things planned for new life. God has things planned for Kokomo. God has things planned for your life that you do not see yet. But you have to have an assurance that he has those things in mind for you. So we face it from two angles. Last week was the impossible. Today is the ordinary. And when you contemplate the what ifs, the impossible look like odds that are stacked against you or or, or that we have to be willing to take a risk. The ordinary looks like we just have to keep taking the next step. The last scripture that I want to pull into this week, if I could, is from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I'm skipping a few slides there. It says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who can do exceedingly abundantly above. Everybody say those three words, exceedingly, abundantly, above. He is not a God that just wants to help you just make it. He's a God that wants to give you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So those things, as as we face the impossible places of our lives, are so important, and so we respond to those things by, by our history with God, knowing what He's done, knowing what He's done in us, knowing what He's done through the ages, and now knowing that He will do it again. We sang that song, or we're going to sing that song. I heard him practice it this morning. We haven't sang it yet. The song, Do It Again. We're going to sing that song just talking about the fact that His promises still stand, and His faithfulness remains. So our history is important. Our authority, uh, knowing who we are in Christ, helps us to face the impossible. Our words are important that we speak life and not death. Our obedience, and we're going to talk about that briefly this morning, is important in the impossible moments. And then our courage taking those next steps. 
This week I want to shift gears and we're going to look not at the necessarily the impossible, but the things that seem ordinary in our lives. And if we're, if we're honest, there's really, there, there's really what, what's ordinary, right? What's normal? And in fact, if you take a survey of culture right now, today, ordinary and normal is all kinds of things. It's all over the map. So what does it mean for us in the what-ifs of life to look at the normal things? Well, I believe it starts with that place of obedience. And here's what it says. You're familiar with this exchange that uh, Samuel has with King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Sometimes obedience, I, I, I want to I I say this, and I've used ordinary almost as an as a, uh, oxymoron today, like nothing's ordinary, right? But I would say of all the things, and as we flow through this message this morning, of all the things that we struggle with in culture, and even in church and Christian culture, it's the understanding that obedience just takes somebody willing to do the ordinary things. Just being willing to take the next step that is in front of us. The definition of ordinary is like this. Sometimes I like to throw these things out. Here's what ordinary means. Nothing special or distinctive. There's not any ordinary people here because there's a lot of distinctive people. Look at your neighbor and say, you are definitely distinctive. Like there is something Take it easy, spouses. I don't need to do marriage counseling for Devin before he gets back. Ordinary is nothing special, distinctive. Normal. It's something to be expected. It's something, I like this last one, it's something commonplace or standard. If we were to take a survey today of what church looks like now in 2023 versus, say, 40 years ago, 1983, that's kind of when I started my teen years, do the math, and and. And in those moments, it's like, what is commonplace and standard in Christian culture today? What is standard and commonplace in, in, in our world today? It's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a sobering thought. How about this normal? The definition of normal is conforming to a standard. It's typical. It's standard. It's a regular pattern. It occurs naturally. I like the word organic. I didn't include it today, but I think that there's a lot to be said about living a patterned life, an organic life. Uh, God has called us to be people that are certainly open to whatever and whenever he wants us to do it, but I also believe that God has a course and a set place and a set uh, path for each of our lives. So how is it in the ordinary places if we were to ask what if, it, this is kind of a sampling of some things that I think that God places impor- great importance on the word in. And, and we have to be willing to step in and say, God, what would you say to us about living this standard, ordinary, common life for you? I'm going to share seven today. So you can make little hash marks if you want so you know how much longer we have. But I'm going to share seven of them with you today. And quite honestly, I could go through Scripture, and because the Scripture is so principled, I could probably find another seven or, or a different seven and, and preach this message. But I just felt like as the Lord was honing in, uh, you like that word, honing, he, as he was helping me hone in what I wanted to share with you today, I felt like God was really insistent on these particular things and these areas 
of our lives. When I think about the ordinary, when I think about the normal, when I think about the organic places of our lives as we ask what if, I, I, I love this phrase that I once heard a preacher said. He said this, he said, maturity is the consistent application of elementary things. It's the consistent application of elementary things. So my question to you today is this, are you a mature person? You say, well, maturity is so high and mighty and, 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 I, and I've got I've to have it all together and I've got to you know, attain this some, some level of, of legislative holiness to get to that place. But, but really, really, really what maturity is, it just means that you've gotten down to the place where you recognize that I have some very elemental things of my life elementary things of my life, and I just need to be consistent in that. I need to make the choice daily to do what God wants me to do. I remember playing high school basketball. Anybody here play basketball on any level, junior high, high school, any of those, any, any I'd love to talk to people who play college basketball because I think that's probably a whole other animal, but I had a coach that in my high school in northern Indiana in the mid-80s, was a dis- he, was, he was a basketball disciple. He was a disciple of the disciple of Bobby Knight. So he was, you can imagine. <laughs> so in other words, the guy that coached him was directly coached by Bobby Knight. So I was like two, two generations of coaches from Bobby Knight. He may, probably never heard of this guy, but... Our, our, our drills, everything that we did revolved around this consistent application, this consistency, and, and at the end of the day, it wasn't who was the best athlete, it wasn't who the greatest star uh, by, by what they could do in moments uh, that, that accomplished anything, it was the people and, and those that engaged it at a level where they became consistent and they applied the most elementary things to become the greatest that they could be. Now we were seven and 13, so that's kind of where the story ends. <laughs> uh, but I learned how to play defense and I learned a lot about life. So what if? Consistency. So let's look at the scripture. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the scripture then we're gonna pull a principle out, okay? So the first one comes from Joshua chapter one. Here's what it says. It says, I will give you, this is God speaking to, uh, to Joshua. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I will give you every place where you set your foot. And then we tag onto that Psalm 37 where it says the steps. Everybody say steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, that means we're going to have our moments, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. What if, the first what if is this, what if we just keep moving? There's, there's, a, there's a minister, I don't know if you've ever heard of Karen Wheaton, but she has a ministry called The Ramp down in Alabama, and we were very connected with that ramp. But one of her favorite phrases to say, whether it's at a gathering or a teaching setting or preaching setting, whatever, her, one of her favorite things to say is, where you stop, you stop. 
I want you to think through in your life, if you've served God for any amount of time at all, five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years, isn't it sad, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, I mean it in a heartbreaking way, isn't it sad to watch those that have ran with us at moments in our lives or walked with us in, in, in this life of Christ to finally just get to a place where they, where they stop? But what if God just wants you to keep moving? I love what the psalmist says there. He says, you know, even though you fall, you're not going to be cast down. So what that tells me is this. God knows us. He understands that we're going to have our moments. He understands that there's moments where we'll be moving freely, and there's moments where we might even stumble and fall. But here's the thing. Get back up and keep walking. Don't stop moving. Listen, New Life, what if you just kept moving? You see, Pastor, you don't understand where my family's going through and what we've, what, what's happening. And I, I, just feel like, I just feel like my options are to just, to just give up. I just feel like my best option is just to give up. It just doesn't feel like I can do it anymore. I want to tell you something. I want to encourage you. I want to bring you lift. And if you're watching this back, I know you guys have an amazing video ministry, but maybe somebody's not here and they're watching this back. I want to tell you something. Keep moving keep going just keep swimming there's a song like that right just keep going second what if from the ordinary life comes from romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 it says therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, to the normal of this world, to the ordinary of this world. Do not conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I dare say the problem we have in culture, to, in Christian culture today is that we have a lot of people trying to discern the will of God that have allowed themselves to be conformed to the patterns of this world. And if that's you this morning, I speak grace over you, and I let you know that I love you with everything in me, but stop letting the world dictate what God's will is by conforming to its pattern. We've got a church culture that is trying to find the latest fad to reach somebody. I want to tell you something. It's by the transformation of Jesus Christ over our lives. That name that we sang about that is above. Come on. Every name. Be transformed by the... Re Can I preach for a moment this morning? Come on. We have a God who loves us, but we can't find his will if we're constantly trying to conform ourselves to what this world has. So here's the question. What if we didn't conform, but were, say it, transformed? I think the longer that we serve the Lord, the more that this reality comes into play that we still need to be transformed day by day. That his transformation isn't one event that you look back and say, well, 50 years ago, I walked an altar. Thank God for that. But he wants to transform and renew you today. He's got something new for you today. Don't conform to what this world has. Be transformed by allowing God to renew your mind. And then, guess what? His will becomes an easy, and I say that, I say that lightly, but his will becomes organic and natural in that you'll step into what he has. 
What else do we see? Everybody know how many, how, how many we got done, right? Two, how many are left? Five. We've got some math majors here today. It's amazing. The next one comes from Joshua chapter 24. Now, this is almost too easy. Like, I'm not preaching a lot, so I just picked some, 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 some just like home run hitting scriptures. So these are going to be good. Here's what he said. Here's what it says in Joshua 24. It says, the Lord was speaking to the Israelites. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if, choose, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This goes back to the power of our words. And when you make that declaration, not just in word, but in deed over your family, I want to tell you something. It sends shockwaves to the, to the kingdom of Satan. It sends shockwaves to every assignment that is locked, locked against you. When you do that and you make that declaration, not just in your words, but in your actions and your deeds, God, you release the power of God over your life. What if... We were people that just made the choice daily that me and my household will serve the Lord. You say, Pastor, we need a great revival, and I would never disagree with you. I am a studier, a student of, the, of some of the greatest revivals that have ever been. I love moves of God. I've been, I've, I've been and visited Brownsville. I've got other places that I've been. Whenever God moves, it's wonderful, it's awesome. And I, I cherish those moments. But what we need is people to make a daily choice to say, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Several years ago, we did a thing, and I was going to bring it today, and I forgot, did a thing with our church where I made just laminated things, and I, and I, and I gave them to families, and I said, put these over your door, over, over, over your door jams in your house, and it just basically said, that scripture, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, this declaration is made by mom and dad over our family, and, and it serves as a reminder, we still have, I think we have one hanging up in our house, but it's that reminder that it's there in front of us. What if we, ah, man, what if we were people that made that choice daily? The next one, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, the fourth one, Sadducees, the, the, I'm sorry, the religious leaders of the day were, were trying to trick Jesus. They were getting him to have some dialogue, and they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself what if <laughs> you know where i'm going with this right i love the ten commandments i love what the law represents in its in its foreshadowing of jesus christ i love it but what if listen what if we just listen to what jesus said about these two greatest commandments, that we would love the Lord our God, that we would love ourselves, and that we would love others. You say, why do you put yourself in there? Well, let's, let's talk about this. First of all, loving the Lord, right? Did you know loving the Lord isn't for 25 minutes on a Sunday morning before the pastor preaches? <laughs> if that's your moment of the week where you say, I'm going to love the Lord from 10 to 1023, 
And if the worship team gets happy, we'll go until 1027, and we'll love him that entire 27 minutes. Did you know that that's not, like, that doesn't get it? Like, thank God for it, and we need to have it, and I celebrate that. But loving the Lord your God means that it, it, he consumes your life. Everything that you are is, 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 is given to him. So that's obviously the first thing. But then the second thing, we, we run fast to loving others, and here's what I'll say. We, we can't love others more than we love ourselves. Jesus said, love others as you love yourself. I want to speak to some of you today that have lived in the shame game, in the game where you don't feel like you've ever measured up, and oh, what a wretch you are, and oh, thank God he saved me. And listen, I understand that testimony, and we celebrate how God has redeemed us, but there has to come a point in your life, in your existence, whether you've been saved for two days or whether you've been saved for 20 years, where you understand who you are in Christ and that your life is such that you ought to love yourself for who God has made you and how he's redeemed you to live for him. And when you come to that place where you can finally look at yourself and God's already forgiven you for it, listen, sir, ma'am, it's time for you to forgive yourself for it. I don't know why I said that this morning, but I think sometimes we hamper ourselves with what we feel like we just blew over the years of our lives. Love yourself. Come on, love yourself. This is not about idle. This is not about being, being pompous and prideful. Listen, this is done with, with great humility, but you've got to get to a place where you, you, love, you love yourself as God loves you. And he loved you a lot. So what if we loved the Lord? What if we loved ourselves? And then what if we just went ahead and just said, it's time to love others? Did you know that God's love is not one that has strings and attachments to it? It's just done. Shared it last week, but I share it again. For God so loved Kokomo is that thing you see every week when you walk into the, the, the lobby of this church. Do you really understand that that, that, that mindset, that thought of love. Come on, he, he, he loves you, but he loves those people that sometimes make us just, make us want to pull our hair out. The person that you're working with that you're like, there is no way, God, God, there's no way. Somebody really has to deal with some issues over here, don't they? <laughs> Hopefully it's work people. Hopefully they're not thinking about their family. It's like, oh God, whoo. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Come on, there has to be something in us. And, and listen, whew, I, ho- I, hope you, I hope you hear my heart in this. Do I love them so that they'll say a prayer someday and, check, and I can check them off my box? Check the box off. Do, is my love wrapped to a condition that hopefully we can count them in the yearly ACMR that we send to the general council? Or do we love them just because Jesus said you gotta love them? And I love all, listen, I've been a part of the assemblies since I, I told you last week, I cut my teeth not on a pew, but I pinched my finger under a folding seat because that's what we had. I've been in it all my life. I understand systems and organization, and I, and I, and I, don't, I, I don't knock it. But listen, sometimes we get ourselves into this, into this business of doing church and being a Christian that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus said, love them, love them. Listen, they may, and, and, and this breaks my heart, but they may never bow a knee to him and God help us that they would but Lord I want to love them anyways 
God, I want to love that person that is, that is displaying such an anti-God and a, and, and a message that, that is, is so anti-God. God, I want to love them in a way that only you can teach me to love them. What if we just follow Jesus' greatest commands? What if we did that? The next one, number five, comes from Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. (laughs) All of us parents said, amen. But you know what? If you're a parent and said amen, maybe, maybe... Maybe that we need to go home and take a look in the mirror and see what things we've grumbled and complained about ourselves. Pastor, you weren't supposed to do that. Come on now. We like you thus far. Don't start stepping on my toes. So that we may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I don't know if I have any friends here today that have remembered the, the, the 80s and 90s of Christ, contemporary Christian music or not, but the Newsboys, anybody know the Newsboys? Come on, shout it out for the Newsboys, woo! They had a song in the 90s back when I was started my youth pastor days that said, shine. Anybody want to sing it with me? Make them wonder what you got, make them wish that they were not. On the outside looking for do, 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 shine. Let it shine before all men. Let them see good works and then let them glorify the Lord. Do, do, do. I'm playing the bass part tonight. (laughs) That we could shine like star. What if we, how about this? What if we shine because of our obedience? What if we just, what if we just did it? What if we just walked it out? We didn't always have to preach it. We just walked it out. What if we shined because of our obedience and the world looked at us and said, there's a star. And I don't mean star like, look at me. I mean a star like they are bringing light. They are bringing the shining love of Jesus everywhere they go. Oh God, what if? How about this one? Number six. Micah chapter six, verse eight. He says, has he... He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me say it again. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. How about this, number six? What if we did what the Lord required? If we took the simple, elemental things, the elementary things, the, dare I say it, ordinary things, And we just did it. We acted justly. We loved to show mercy. And we walked humbly with God. I want to give you a revelation today if you've not gotten it yet because this is a revelation that if I'm honest, I've had to learn over the years and decades of living for God and being in ministry. But let me just free some of you up today. Not everyone is like you. Nudge your neighbor. Put your finger, no, don't put your finger in her face. But just confess and say, not everyone is like me. Yeah? Some of you are like, praise the living Lord. (laughs) 
Thank God. Woo! Thank goodness for that revelation, right? Not everyone is like you. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talked about it like this. He said that, that one, one body part can't say to the other body part, I don't need you. Did you know that we're all fashioned and we're all brought together in the body of Christ to be this, this, this thing that fits together? It's like hand and glove or it's like, it's, it's like the body working together. With, without without uh, the ear, what sense of hearing would we be? Without the eyes, what, what sense of seeing would we have? Without the different gifts that God has given uh, on display, what would happen if we, if we didn't live in that way? Not everyone is like you. And not everyone is like me. I remember in ministry, if I, if I were to look back at ministry, really, my call to ministry was in 1988, 89 time frame. And my ministry, my full-time ministry began in 1993. I started pastoring my first church in 2001. Went through some great transformation in 2008 and 2010. And at 2023, when I, when I handed over the church and I thought through my ministry, I looked back at some of the things and some of the ways that I ministered, and I thought, dear God, your grace was sufficient for me. Did you know that there's nobody in here today? And I don't want to overly offend you. I've offended maybe you already. But there's nobody here today that has perfect theology. There's no one that has perfect theology. I'm not saying you shouldn't study to show yourself approved. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't learn what you believe, why you believe it. All those things are true. But when we come with this thought and this idea in our minds that our theology and our practical, uh, our, 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 our orthopraxy is what they, it's the fancy word for, the way we live it out, if we think we're the only ones that have it figured out, we have gravely been mistaken. Not everybody is like you. And so what does the Lord require? He, he requires us to get back, get back, get back to the ordinary places, to the elementary things, to just act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. He's not asking us to be a know-it-all. He's not asking us to always be right. The body of Christ has an addiction in our culture, and I think it's been perpetuated and accelerated through social media. But the body of Christ has an addiction with being right. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to be right in our beliefs. We all know the assemblies of God is perfect, and we all believe the right thing, and everybody needs to get on board, right? We all believe that. But in this penchant for wanting to be right, it, it sometimes turns my stomach to watch people, and again, it usually ends up on social media, and I just have to to say, Lord, let me put it aside. I don't want to look at that. But it often happens to where you can watch somebody that absolutely you agree with a thousand percent, but the way in which they type out their response or they speak to somebody about what they believe and why they believe it and their rightness, in all of their rightness, it becomes wrong in the way and the spirit in which they do it. Some of you might even be here today and you've thought, man, this church thing, I just don't know. They're, just, they're full of themselves at times. I want to I just say 
as a leader in the body of Christ, that I, I apologize for moments where we've not given space for somebody to work themselves, get themselves into that place where they understand. And that my rightness, if my rightness, and I could be a thousand percent right, but be wrong because of the way I brought it up. I am sorry. And I want you to know this morning that this, I believe that Pastor Devin's creating a safe place for this to be worked out. But let's get to a place where we're not just looking to be right. We are looking, however, to, to live right. That's my next thing. We must be in this current culture, abandon the need to be right, and replace it with the need to live right. Huh. God, help us. Help us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. The last one that we've got comes from the parable of <clears throat> the parable of the talents when Jesus was speaking in Matthew 25, verse 21 and 23, as he addressed those that put the talents to work. He says this to them. It's the same exact words in both verses. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Listen, if we can get really, really elemental this morning, really, really down to this organic, ordinary level, I'm going to ask this question. What if we were just faithful? I love the scripture that says, as the Lord looks upon earth, he, he's looking and he, he, he wants to know if he, can find some, if he can find faith in the earth. I'll ask you today, New Life, Kokomo, will he find faith in this body? Will he find the faithful? Will he find those that are willing to lay down their own ambitions and their own things and just say, God, I just want to be faithful. Don't ever underestimate the power of being faithful. Yesterday I had an opportunity. I grew up in, I grew up, uh, in northern Indiana and I went to church in South Bend. <clears throat> it was South Bend Calvary Temple for many years. It's Southgate now. Back, way back in the day, it used to be called South Bend Gospel Tabernacle long before I was ever born. But yesterday I had a chance to attend a funeral with my father of a, of a, of a man that was, he was on staff when I was a teenager at my church. Um, uh, Pastor Paul Murray was his name. Some of you may be familiar with him. He was known in the district to some level. But Pastor Paul, um, they told the story of his life yesterday. And it captured me because when he was 12 years old, he, my, my church that I grew up in had this huge bus ministry. And when I say huge, they had like 10 to 12 buses and they bus kids in for Sunday school. Sunday school was the big thing, right, in the 60s and 70s. They would bus kids in from all over and they would bring them to church and to Sunday school. And they told the, 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 the testimony of Pastor Paul's life and the fact that, that when he was 12 years old, that he loved buses and he asked his mom and dad who weren't church attenders, could he ride the bus to church? He rode the bus to that church that I grew up in as well. He gave his life to Jesus, served the Lord at 84 years old, passing away this week. He, and he served at that church, he served in missionary things. He was a part of singing groups. He did all kinds of things for the glory of God. A very meek man, a very mild man, a very loving man. And I watched and I listened and I thought, at 12 years old, this man, because somebody was faithful and said, we've got to reach people in South Bend, Indiana, came to that church, gave his life. He actually served, lived there, did all that he could there. And now they were, they were at the front of the church as they were sharing his story, I thought, this man has literally lived his life out as a result of somebody and a church and a ministry that decided to be faithful. I love what St. Francis of, I'm not sure I'll say, a sissy, I, 
I always think a sissy. That's not probably the best way to say it, but <laughs> a sissy. Thank you. But you're not going to forget that now, right? Saint Francis was a sissy. Uh, he was from a sissy. He was not. Here's what he said. He says, "Preach the gospel at all times, and use words when necessary." What if we were just faithful? I want to tell two stories. Maybe you've heard this before. Two stories of American families. Worship team, you can kind of come and start getting ready. It illustrates the power of this idea of faithfulness. The first one was a man by the name of Max Jukes. Max was not a follower of God, and he married a godless woman. These two, these two stories are true stories from back in the 17, early 1700s. He was not a follower of God, and he married a godless woman. Max had 560 descendants that they traced. 310 died as paupers. 150 became criminals. Seven of them were murderers. 100 were known to be drunkards. And more than half of the women were prostitutes. The descendants of Max Jukes, Max Juke cost the United States government more than $1.25 million in, 19, uh, in 19th century money. The other story is about Jonathan Edwards, who most of us, I'm sure, have heard about. He was a contemporary of Max. He was a committed Christian who gave God first place in his life. He married a godly young lady. Sounds a lot like me. Thank you, Summer. I appreciate that. And some 1,394 descendants were traced from his line. 295 graduated from college. 13 of them became college presidents. 65 became professors. Three were elected as United States senators. Three as state governors. Others were sent as ministers to foreign countries. 30 became judges. 100 were lawyers. There was one dean of an outstanding law school. 75 became officers in the military. 100 were, known, were well-known missionaries, preachers, and prominent authors of the time. Another 80 held some form of public office, of whom three were, majors, uh, were mayors of large cities. One was the comptroller of the United States Treasury, and another one was the vice president of the United States. None of Jonathan Edwards' family was a liability to his country. There is power in your faithfulness. What if, listen, just what if, what if we determined that we were going to be faithful? These were extremely elementary things today. They were ordinary from the sense of there's just really, it's not you having a Bible degree. You need to get into the Word, right? But it's not about you having some incredibly well-formed theology that God obviously wants us to move towards. It was about understanding that the elementary things consistently applied brings a maturity, it brings a life. And I believe those are the what-ifs that can change the course of a culture. Your argument on Facebook, if you feel led to that kind of ministry, God bless you, but make sure it's tempered with love. Make sure it's tempered with the desire to not be right. And for goodness sake, log off every once in a while and look at somebody in the eye and love them. Love them. God help us to be people in this age that would say, God help us in the what-ifs of the ordinary, of the normal, of the elementary places of our lives.
When you commit, I'm sorry, let me ask this, which takes more faith, to ask the what if for the impossible or to ask the what if for the ordinary? Some of us think, man, the impossible is impossible, but you know what? Sometimes those ordinary things, these are the harder things. These are the things that we really have got to lean in and ask God's help for. When you commit to being consistent and faithful in the ordinary, I believe this, extraordinary things will happen. Let us dedicate to living a life of faith, exploring what ifs in the impossible in the ordinary places of life. I believe what Pastor Devin and Jenny are establishing here, talking strongly about families. I just want to say this to some of you this morning. Maybe you're in here and you've got a family member, a son or a daughter, somebody that's close to you. Maybe it's a spouse. They're not serving the Lord. And if you were to sit here and really contemplate this morning, you would begin to feel the weight of that responsibility because maybe you feel like you didn't do enough or maybe there were choices you made long ago in your life that's caused you to be at this place. One of the worst things that the enemy has over us at times is shame because shame causes us to lose hope for tomorrow. Accusation causes us to think that we'll never be able to fix it. I'm not asking you today to go and put on grand displays and try to argue your children or that unsaved loved one into the kingdom. I'm asking you to just begin by being faithful. Just begin by being consistent. Just begin by acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. I'm asking you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love yourself and then your neighbor. I believe God will give you all his grace in those moments. And those things that you don't think you can repair, look out because he is going to rush in behind those steps of obedience in your life. I believe it with all my heart. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for those in this room that have gone on a journey these last few weeks to examine the what-ifs of our life. God, we're going to sing this song in response to you this morning, that, Lord, that you would do it again. Your promise, come on, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, O God. And as we do, Lord, I, I just feel like in this moment, just for these last few moments of the morning, God, in this moment that you're going to allow, you're going to allow your sons and daughters in this room to rededicate themselves to your plans and purposes over their lives. That you're going to heal them of their shame. That you're going to cause them to see hope. <laughs> They're going to be caused to be confident in hope. And, assurance of, and assured of the things they don't see in this moment this morning. I'll say further before we sing, if there's anybody in this place this morning, and you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I'm telling you, there's no more reason to wait. His love for you is unconditional. There's nothing that you've done that's gone too far that you would escape the ability for his love to draw you back in. It takes a turning from your sin. It takes a confession. Just, as, just saying, Lord, I admit it. I've turned from you. But Lord, I believe that you are my, that my love. You're my Savior. And God, today, save me and fill me. Change my heart today. I believe even in this moment as we sing this today, you can rededicate your heart and life to him. You can dedicate it for the first time if that's the case. But God wants to change you and make you, bring you to this place of assurance in him. 
Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's stand. I'm going to ask, and if you have to slip out, that's fine, but I'm going to ask for us just to sing this as a dedication unto the Lord, and I want to pray over you one more time. And if you want, while we're singing, you're welcome to come to this altar. I'll close this up with prayer before we go. It's been an honor to be with you. Let's worship him just for these moments this morning.